From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Demers. Today on the show, to bridge or not to bridge? That is the question coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, August 4th, 2022. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I got an email yesterday from Sevik the Degen. Sevik the Degen, a great name, um, about some news that actually coincidentally came out today as well. I've been harping on bridges and hacks and stuff like that for the past couple weeks. And well, Sevik wrote in and said, I use bridges, such as multi-chain and synapse, to transfer USDC between blockchains. They've always worked quick and easy. If you're not providing liquidity to the bridge, I feel the risk for bridging is very low as a user. Can you please provide an alternative for moving assets cross-chain if you're recommending your listeners to stop using bridges? Thank you for the email, Sevic. And here's a couple of things that I want to tell you. And I don't have an alternative to what you're trying to do, but I will give you some ideas or some stories to go with uh, what you're asking here. First is a story from a long time ago. Now, I kind of think about like keeping liquidity on bridges or providing liquidity and getting your interest or whatever is kind of like keeping your coins on an exchange, right? And I never kept coins on an exchange because we know exchanges can get hacked and they will drain your funds. And that happened to an, to an exchange that I was using to trade shit coins quite a while ago. It was called Cryptopia. I don't know if you guys heard of it. It was like the literal shit coin mecca. You can find any coin ever on it and it had liquidity i don't even know how they, they they did it but it always had liquidity it had any coin that you want to find i never kept coins on it but one day i decided to sell one of my shit coins and i transferred my shit coin from its wallet over to cryptopia and just then it got hacked now i know it's probably a million to one odds that right when i put crypto on that exchange it got hacked. Honestly, I think it got hacked a while ago, but it was, they're allowing people to keep depositing crypto in there so whoever hacked it could drain any crypto that was being deposited. Um, but anyway, long story short is I put it in, was never able to take it out, and it's under collection still today. I mean, I think I collect that crypto, but that crypto now has disappeared. It has no liquidity, and I have no place to sell it. So I'm just SOL. And I think it was, I don't know, maybe a couple grand, three, four $4,000 worth of crypto. But I didn't keep the crypto on the exchange. I didn't provide liquidity. <laughs> I still got done up because of the hack. Anyway, coincidentally, just today, Chainalysis reported that 69% of all stolen crypto funds this year came from hacking protocols that bridge different blockchains. Cross-chain crypto bridge hacks hit $2 billion. This is posing a significant threat and credibility to the blockchain technology. And this is coming in the wake of the Nomad hack which represents the seventh major hack for crypto bridges this year. And it's begging the question, what makes them such a target? Well, when you freeze up token on one side of the blockchain and then unfreeze it from the other side, it means you have a lot of liquidity and smart contracts with funds stored in them. So in crypto, when something is liquid, it's lucrative. The cross-chain bridges have become the prime target for activists and terrorists as well, with criminals from North Korea reporting to have stolen about $1 billion worth of crypto this year. Basically, when you have something that people want, 
and you give them a target, they're going to figure a way to get to it. It provides a focal point for criminals to exploit. Now look, you're right. If you're not providing liquidity, you're at less risk. But it's basically saying I'm going to trade a risky asset and compound it with risky behavior. And so even Bitcoin, and I have a lot of confidence in Bitcoin. This is in the bottom. We're going to see a new all-time high eventually. But it's still a risky asset. It's very volatile. And so, and there's a lot of risk just even in storing it in your wallet to make sure that you don't mess up or there's not a compromise in even the hardware wallet that you have. So what I'm saying is that it's risky assets inherently with new technology that has bugs in it still. I guess the, the, the thing that I would say, instead of going cross-chain and trading shit coins, I mean, I mean, people are making money off of it. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying that, but there are risks involved. And the more you compound risk, the more you have to lose, to be honest with you. And so the safest thing to do is don't cross-chain at all. Don't trade shit coins. Stick with projects that have responsible founders, people that are not anonymous, with white papers that have an actual use case and business model and plan and that they're executing on it and make sure that their liquidity is not fake and it's not wash trading. You know, there's a lot of things that are still happening in the space that provide risk compounded on top of risk compounded on top of risk. And so what I'm saying is, hey, if you want to keep safe, not your keys, not your coins. Keep your crypto in a hardware wallet. Make sure that there is uh, liquidity in exchanges and exchanges are not going to delist your token. And that there's multiple exchanges that you can access to make sure you can get that liquidity or access that liquidity when needed. And well, just be safe. That's all I'm saying. And bridges are obviously not safe. If you're providing liquidity in a bridge, it's possible to get hacked. We saw what happened with even Voyager and BlockFi. In Celsius, you basically provided them liquidity, and now you can't access your funds. So I guess the safest thing at this point in time with these developments is to just hold your crypto off an exchange in a hardware wallet and just wait. Now let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 9.47 a.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. We have Bitcoin sitting at $23,061, down 1.1% in 24. We have Ethereum at $1,634, down 1.5%. Tether's number three, USDC is number four, and Binance is number five at 304, up 4.3%. Running off the top 10, we have Binance, XRP, Cardano, Solana, and Polkadot. And we had the same lineup yesterday, which finally changes the top 10 and moves Dogecoin into number 11. Total macro cap is down 1.4%. It's at 1.07 trillion. We have a BTC dominance of 41% even and an F dominance of 18.5. It's time for coin of the day. It is funny how many new coins of the days that we haven't done that are in the top 100 because of shuffling around. And here's one that we've never done before, which I thought we would have. Number 76 on coin market cap, Loop Ring, ticker LRC. Price is 40.5 cents down 3.5% in 24. Current market cap is 339 million. Fluid diluted is 557 million. 97% of Loop Ring is in circulation. So the all time high for Loop Ring was set nine months ago when everything else was high. At $3.83, it's down 90% since then. It's still up 2,000% from its all time low set three years ago at 1.9 cents. You can get it at Binance, Coinbase. KuCoin, FTX, Gate, Binance.us, and there you have it. So what is Loopring? LRC is an Ethereum-based token of Loopring. 
and open protocol design for building decentralized crypto exchanges. In 2020, the average daily trading volume for the entire crypto market fluctuated from approximately 50 to 200 million. Most of the trading was conducted by centralized exchanges, online platforms created by private companies that store users' funds. So that goes into Loopring's goal. And Loopring's goal is to combine centralized order matching with decentralized on-blockchain order settlement into a hybrid product that would take the best aspects of both centralized and decentralized exchanges. Hmm. So that's Loopring, ticker LRC. Moving into today's headlines. Now, I got a little bit upset while I was reading this uh, in putting the news down for today and making my script. Uh, but I, mean, I don't know if I'm going to get as heated as I was by myself this morning drinking coffee, reading the news. But let's see if I get there. It's toward the end. Hold on. So anyway, the news is, is that Starbucks is going to have a new rewards program that's going to be focused around Web3, says the CEO of Starbucks, Howard Schultz. He says, we have been working on a very exciting new digital initiative that builds on our existing industry-leading digital platform in innovative new ways, all centered around coffee and, most importantly, loyalty. The company said it will review its new digital initiative on September 13th during its annual Investor Day, and that's going to be in Seattle. The initiative will allow Starbucks to build on its current rewards engagement model while also introducing new methods of emotionally engaging customers, said Schultz. And it's going to be expanding on its digital third-place community approach and offering broader sets of rewards. So third-place is a term describing a community space between home and work. So the part of this whole thing, well, first, let's just look at this, is Web3 Rewards Program. Cool. Okay, fine. Awesome. The part that got me upset was an employee who gave his first name as Mark but didn't want us to give him any more, uh, described himself as a technologist, voiced his disagreement with the company's plans, citing environmental impact of NFTs saying that blockchain, whether it's proof of stake or work, is not planet positive. It's going to destroy the planet. He continued to say, and I'm not the only one very worried about that, that this company would go in that direction. I don't want to feel this way about Starbucks. And that's what kind of pissed me off. (laughs) Because this dude's working for Starbucks. And I just, so I went on their site and I was just like, look, we're talking about the environmental impact of, of, NFTs, right? Or proof of stake systems or proof of work systems. And I was just called proof of stake systems, okay? Because by the time they launch this, and it's probably going to be an Ethereum based or something like that, uh, Ethereum is going to go proof of stake. So it's cutting the energy it's using by, what is it, 99%? Anyway, okay, let's just take this stuff back. But this is a company that gives out plastic lids and plastic cups to everyone that orders a drink. So I went to the Starbucks website and I, you know, did some digging and it looks as though they give out six to seven billion disposable cups every year. And I couldn't see how much were plastic and how much were paper, but every paper cup has a plastic lid. And if you get a cold beverage, like a, was it a Frappuccino? You're going to get a big plastic cup with a big plastic lid. So if you were talking about environmental and having how you feel about Starbucks, not to mention all the packaging they have and all their stuff, but if you have an emotional impact or emotional feeling about how Starbucks is operating because of NFTs, but overlook the plastic cups and lids, what are you doing? Anyway, I do want to point out that on the Starbucks website, it says that they're planning to shift away from single-use cups and lids and things like that to reusable packaging and i think that's great uh their plan is for 2030 so it's quite a ways away but at least that they're thinking about this are they gonna get it done we'll wait and see and anyway that dude's hypocrisy just kind of pissed me off but whatever what do you think matthew Arnett to crypt.co 
In the wake of Voyager Digital's bankruptcy discovery, we found out that Steve Ehrlich, the CEO, sold more than $30 million of his company's shares in 2021. So as you guys know, Voyager Digital was a publicly traded company, and it was listed on the Canadian Securities and Exchange under the ticker VYGR in 2019. It was around eh, 62 cents a share, and usually traded around $1 a share. But... In 2021, when VYGR moved to the Toronto Stock Exchange, shares skyrocketed to an all-time high of $27.39. And, well, that's around time that Steve Ehrlich cashed in $30 million. However, it's not unusual or incriminating for a CEO to sell company shares. In November of last year, the CEO of Microsoft sold $285 million worth of Microsoft shares. That's according to the SEC. And of course, our boy Elon Musk sold $8.4 billion worth of Tesla shares in April of this year. So it's not unheard of for CEOs to sell shares, try to cash in, put that money in the bank. But when your company's bankrupt and not giving people their money, it's just it's a bad look. Not illegal, not incriminating, just a bad look. What do you think? So yesterday we heard about the Solana hack that was taking Solanas from people's wallets. And so far, people have lost thousands of wallets, lost around $4.5 million worth of soul. Well, it's being blamed on a private key exploit tied to mobile software wallet Slope. A tweet thread said this, the exploit was isolated to one wallet on Solana and hardware wallets used by Slope remain secure. While the details of exactly how this occurred are still under investigation, private key information was inadvertently transmitted to an application monitoring service. There's no evidence the sole protocol or its cryptography was compromised. A former Coinbase product manager has pled not guilty to insider trading. Ishan Wahi, 32 years old, pled not guilty on Wednesday to charges of wire fraud, which allegedly occurred while working at the cryptocurrency exchange. The SEC alleges that Wahi, who is of Indian nationality on a work visa to the U.S., used an international phone number to communicate insider trading knowledge via phone calls and text messages. Wahi allegedly shared insider information in advance of at least 14 different Coinbase listings and 25 different cryptocurrencies. And finally, the crypto mining company Riot said on Wednesday that it earned around $9.5 million in power credits for stopping using power during the strain on the Texas network. And that equates to roughly 439 Bitcoin based on the average price of July. These kind of payouts come as a part of a demand response program available to miners in Texas that rewards them for giving power back to the grid when demand threatens to overwhelm the system. Such an event occurred on July 8th when a statewide heat wave pushed power consumption to a record high of 78,206 megawatts. Riot said it gave back around 11,717 megawatt hours in July, enough to power 13,121 average homes for a month. Riot has a fleet, by the way, of 14,311 miners with a hash rate capacity of 4.2 exahashes per second. That's close to 2% of Bitcoin's entire hash rate. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, don't forget to go and click the five-star rating system as well. Click five stars, by the way. Until tomorrow. Happy hodling, everyone.